You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Monday, Dan and the Dan, it's Dan Patrick Show. Covered a lot of ground in the first hour, recapping the college football landscape. What's Oklahoma do now? What's LSU do now? A lot of names for Oklahoma. Bob Stoops going to coach them in the bowl game. Bob's nine years younger than Nick Saban. Would Bob Stoops go back to Oklahoma? What about his brother, Mark, who coaches Kentucky? What about Josh Heupel, played quarterback at Oklahoma? I was looking at the buyout for Josh Heupel at Tennessee, and I think it's around $8 million. When Lane Kiffin left Tennessee, I think it was less than a million dollars when Lane Kiffin left Tennessee to go to USC. I don't know who's paying those buyouts, but if you really want somebody, and these appear to be desperate times for Oklahoma, because I think they were blindsided by all of this. And then when Lincoln Riley said, I'm not going to LSU, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're probably going, okay. And then all of a sudden, 12 hours later, it's, wait, he's not going to LSU. No, he's going to USC. I was told uh, by a source that LSU offered him $12 million a year. I don't know what USC offered, but it was good. Housing probably included. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. More phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like. We had Pat Forty on. He covers college football for Sports Illustrated. And I was wondering. I have not heard anybody say anything. I just wondered aloud. Is Lincoln Riley running to the Pac-12, or is he running away from the SEC? And that might be harsh to say, and it sounds harsh when I do say it, but the reality of this is Oklahoma in the Big 12, things life is good for the most part. But when you go to the SEC week in and week out, this ain't the Big 12. You can go to the Pac-12, and you could reclaim that. Or at least you're in the conversation of being a top 10 team. And I asked Pat Forty about Lincoln Riley running from the SEC or running to the Pac-12. Usually if people don't leave Oklahoma unless they're retiring, maybe going to the NFL, maybe a scandal chased them out. To go leave Oklahoma for another job uh, is remarkable. And I think it says a lot, Dan, about where Oklahoma is heading. And I'd say Lincoln Riley, while he may be running to the beach in L.A., he's also running away from the SEC, and I don't blame it. All right, so that's Pat Forty. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Poll question. We have a couple of stats of the day as well. The um, L.A. Rams, remember when they won the offseason? That seems like a long time ago. But bringing in guys over the summer, then again at the trade deadline, and then do something like that win the offseason, win the trade deadline, but win at Lambeau in late November, those are very different things. Despite his injured toe, Aaron Rodgers led the Packers past the Rams, and L.A. has dropped three in a row. Not playing like a contender. So that leaves the Packers, Cardinals, and Bucks with the top three seeds in the NFC. But the way everyone is playing, we could be headed for a Tampa-Green Bay Conference title game rematch. The Rams are still incorporating Odell Beckham, Von Miller into the system, Really, the big loss is Robert Woods, their wide receiver. But it's getting towards the end of the regular season. Teams are starting to gear up for the playoffs. Los Angeles hasn't given us a lot of reason to think this is going to be a special postseason team. I didn't understand this watching the game. 
And uh, if you have Aaron Rodgers playing on a maybe broken toe, I got to make him move. I got to put pressure on him. And look, he may carve me up, but I know I have a better chance, it feels like, if I put pressure on somebody who doesn't have their normal mobility there. That's what I thought was surprising there. You know, just enough, just enough to put pressure on him. Now, that's a banged up offensive line. So you would think, okay, we got our shots here. Let's go. Let's put some pressure on him. Make him move a little bit. That was surprising there. And uh, didn't see enough of that yesterday that I thought I was going to. And this is a resilient Green Bay team. I don't know if anybody is great this year, but what Green Bay is doing is what you want in a championship caliber team. And that is, hey, you got injuries. Yep, got injuries. What are you doing with those injuries? You know, how are you overcoming that? They, they, they run the football. By the way, A.J. Dillon wasn't a great draft pick at the time. Second round pick out of B.C. Nobody thought that was a great draft pick. They took Jordan Love. They took A.J. Dillon. Both times we went, you could have taken Justin Jefferson. You could have taken a couple of uh, uh, wide receivers. Nobody said anything about, oh, man, you know what Green Bay needs? They need another running back. And what I love about A.J. Dillon, he's never stopped. He is always moving forward and getting the first down. And, you know, you have Jones and and Dillon, and that's a great combo platter there. But you can't tell me, boy, what a great draft pick. Because at the time, I don't think anybody thought it was. It's like Kirk Cousins when he was drafted in the fourth round by Washington. And they had taken RG3 high in the first round. What are you doing taking Kirk Cousins? He's not going to play. Then that's when people go, yeah, great draft pick there. You didn't think it. And A.J. Dillon, you didn't think he was a great draft pick. Because you're going, all right, B.C. And you already got running backs. And Aaron Rodgers needs help. Well, two things are the quarterback's best friend. A good offensive line and a good running game. Green Bay doesn't have a good offensive line right now, but they have a good running game. And I think that that is paramount in trying to survive these games. Leonard Fournette scored four touchdowns for Tampa Bay yesterday. You're going to find these games as we get closer to the playoffs and in the playoffs. What is your offensive line and what's your running game like? It's really important because as much as we go, it's a pass-happy league, you still have to be able to run the football. You have to keep the defense honest. And that's why, you know, the Rams' defensive strategy I didn't understand and their offensive strategy. If Matthew Stafford is hurt, I can't rely on him to beat Green Bay at Lambeau with a pretty good secondary. And it's a secondary that is banged up, but it felt like everybody had a chance for a a pick six. Run the football a little bit. Suppress your ego a little bit. Take a little pressure off your quarterback. But I would be putting pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, McLovin. I heard something interesting from uh, Colts coach Frank Reich. He's like, the looks they were giving us made us pass the ball. And if I could do it again, I would pass the ball even more. So the coaches see these looks and say, this is a pass down. I have to, I have to pass against this box or whatever. Is that way too rigid thinking? Like, if you were a coach, what would you do in that situation if the team's begging you not, you know, putting nine guys in the box. Or well, you know, every defense 
is going to do this. They're going to try to take away what you do well. We always give Belichick. Like Belichick's the only guy to figure this out for 20 years. I've only heard Belichick takes away your best weapon. I've never heard that about another coach. But somehow it's Belichick who's figured it out. You would think after 20 years that other coaches would go, hey, you know what? Belichick takes your best weapon. You, you try. It's a chess game. We want you to do this. Now, that doesn't mean if they want you to do it, you know, what's that say? You know, they feel better if you do this as opposed to if you do that. Is your strength? I always go back to Steph Curry. You know what he's going to do. Can you stop him? And the answer is no. But if you did, then what happens? But until then, I mean, I would, if I'm the Colts, I would have run the football. I got a great offensive line. Jonathan Taylor is an MVP candidate. I would run the football. Absolutely. And I don't want Carson Wentz throwing the ball more than 20 times a game. Because I think when he's economical, then we have something there. But he's a turnover guy. All right, we'll get some phone calls here. By the way, after a bye week this week, Green Bay has Chicago at home, at Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota at home, then at Detroit. Going to be a great race with Arizona for that number one seed. Because Arizona at Chicago hosts the Rams at Detroit, Indy at home, at Dallas, Seattle at home. It's, it's a tougher schedule than Green Bay has. And then the Packers did beat Arizona in Glendale in week eight. Arizona's going to have to win outright to have the home field advantage head to head. All right. Uh, so. What's the poll question we're going to go with an hour or two? So our one was, what's the best job of these three? Arizona Cardinals, USC Trojans, or Oklahoma Sooners? <laughs> uh, the Cardinals ran away with this. Obviously, we're talking about Cliff Kingsbury is in the rumor mill, as they say. Well, he's in line for a big pay raise, and he certainly earned that. Do I think his name is going to come up just because he wants to leverage that or his agent does? Yeah, he's got one year left on his contract. But do I think that he wants to go you know, to one of these openings here? I don't. You're in the NFL. And I did have, you know, a source who said, USC is better, that job is better than some NFL jobs. I said, well, okay. I mean, it is LA, but you're still trying to revitalize a program. And you're coaching in the NFL. It feels like the NFL is supposed to be, that's the, the end game. But as my source said, it's not. Because you can make so much money in college football. You have more stability there. And the NFL is where the coaches run or the players run the league. In college, you're still running the show. And USC is still a great job. Obviously enough for Lincoln Riley to leave Oklahoma. Yeah, Paul. Remember when Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator at USC for about an hour and a half? Mm -hmm. That little way station... He was out there for a minute, and then he went to the Cardinals. Yep. It's not even on his, like, on his Wikipedia page. It doesn't even show up for like coach at USC. <laughs> yes, we close. We were joking that basically Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley are the same person to us. Like We, we make no distinction. They were – I looked it up. Lincoln Riley backed up Cliff Kingsbury as a walk-on, as a freshman at Texas Tech. They've, they're so similar in ways. But – wasn't where, where's Graham Harrell fit in all of this? Was he at Texas Tech as well? And then he's USC's offensive coordinator. Yeah, we'll get the timing down. He's certainly in that mix. Yeah. Oh, it's a small world. This 
coaching community. It is. And it's they have, all, yeah. They have that image of being offense guys who are not necessarily head coaches. You know, they're just offensive geniuses. Yeah. We throw that word out way too much. Offensive geniuses. How many are there? Remember Brian Billick was an offensive genius with the Ravens and they won with Trent Dilfer as their quarterback and they played great defense. It's like he's an offensive genius. Really? Like was Lombardi an offensive genius? Probably so, but he's not given credit. Like who is Don Shul an offensive genius because he had Dan Marino. Bill Walsh felt like an offensive genius. Is Phil Jackson a genius, basketball genius, or is he just really good at understanding that's where I want to coach and coach those players? Because I'm a whole lot smarter with Shaq and Kobe or Mike and Scotty. I just am. But I always, the offensive genius. Are you running the football? Can't be an offensive genius if you're running the football. Although I go back to those Oklahoma teams when they ran the wishbone. Felt like, you know, you had some offensive geniuses there. Yeah, McLovin. I was just say, I hope Lombardi uh, was an offensive genius. If anybody, him and Paul Brown, those are yeah. offensive geniuses. Yeah. Paul Brown, you've told us stories. He's but but they do throw out that you know that designation. He's an offensive genius. Okay, like feels like there's a lot more. Like Sean McVay's an offensive genius, right? No. Mike Leach felt like an offensive genius. He was changing June Jones, like guys who changed the game in the approach and five wide and the fact that the head coaches in the NFL would go to college campuses to learn the offenses. Those are geniuses. Yeah, McLeod. I can think of one offensive genius, uh, Kyle Shanahan, who should have called up more run plays in the Super Bowl. Although I give him credit because he suppressed his ego. They are running the football. I don't know if I have the numbers here uh, close by, but what they've done this year with their running game, the last three games, they pound the football, and and they're winning. And and I just think there's something to be said for that. That And, you know, Debo Samuel is your running back, although he got banged up yesterday. You know, Elijah Mitchell. Again, it's not a, he's a free agent. That's where you find somebody. When you make something out of nothing, those are the guys where you go, damn. He's smart. He's good. All right, we'll take a break. Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback, will join us coming up. A few things to talk to him about, including uh, any NFL coaches interested in LSU or Oklahoma. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. It's 16 after the hour this Monday, Dan and the Dan, that's Dan Patrick Show. Something amazing? Discover. Matching all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. I used my Discover credit card, went to a Broadway show called Six, Six Wives of Henry VIII. Very entertaining, original cast. And I used my Discover credit card there. And, uh, well, it's amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States take credit cards, take Discover. 
Get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. I mentioned the 49ers. They're running the football. Albert Breer pointed this out, that, uh, you know, the running game is so important. We think of offensive geniuses. You don't usually think of a guy who's running the football. But uh, the Niners running the ball in a loss to the Cardinals. They uh, ran the ball 11 times. They passed the ball 45 times. They lost. Since then, they have run 44 times to 20. Uh, That was a win over the Rams and a win over the Jags, 42 carries. 24 passes. That was win over the Jags. Then they beat the Vikings, 39 runs to 22 passes, and uh, they beat the Vikings. You know, it's a uh, it's it's a team that has to take advantage of their strengths. And while I don't rely on Jimmy G very often, if I know I have a running game, play action is so important in the NFL that if you give a quarterback that, give him a little bit of time, have a running game. Uh, you know, you got the mixture there. And, and San Francisco is one of those teams where you're always looking for the team or teams that haven't peaked too soon. Remember the Steelers last year, 11-0. And then all of a sudden people go, that's as good as they're going to get, right? And that was the case. You see these teams where after, well, now it's 17 games, but you get to around 13, 14 games, that's when I love to keep an eye on those teams because you get on that roll and then that's when those teams are dangerous. Plus, bye weeks, who's got a late bye week, who's going to get healthy. But uh, let me bring in Albert Breer, the uh, senior NFL reporter uh, for the Monday Morning Quarterback, Ohio State apologist. And uh, let's start there, Albert. How was that day watching Michigan and uh, the Ohio State? Yeah, it was tough. Um, it's been a while, you know, so I, I think 10 years, like, I mean, I, I say 10 years, but like, you know, as well as I do, like that one 10 years ago wasn't, it's like during the year that we didn't really have a full-time head coach, Luke Fickle was the interim. And um, so really it's like the first time I felt that way in 18 years, which is mind blowing. <laughs> so yeah, it was frustrating. And it was like, it felt like, <clears throat> it felt a little bit like losing to Purdue when we couldn't stop Rondale Moore yeah. or losing to Iowa when we couldn't stop the tight ends. It's like when another team has one thing you can't stop, then it's a really, really frustrating experience. And I felt that way with the Michigan pass rushers that, um, you know, they were pretty much consistently able to get to CJ and and keep our passing game from really hitting the rhythm that it's been for the last, been in for the last month. I know you cover the NFL, but obviously college football with uh, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley, what's happened with Oklahoma and how that, we thought the Mel Tucker Michigan state contract was going to reverberate with salaries <laughs> around college in the NFL uh, I was told Lincoln Riley was offered $12 million a year by LSU. <laughs> How do you think this plays out with other coaches? Like, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's probably going to go, uh, hey, do I have to <laughs> flirt with Oklahoma or LSU to get a pay raise here with the Arizona Cardinals? What do you think happens? Yeah, I, I think it's just sort of changes the dynamic. And, and I think there are some people that would argue, Dan, that it's been a long time coming. I mean, if you think about like what players make, And if you want to really go down the list and look at the players who are making 10, 12, $14 million a year, that's what the top coaches in the NFL make. Like there's no argument. Those guys aren't as valuable as a great head coach. And it's not a knock on any of those guys. It's just having a great head coach is as valuable, I think in pro football as it is in any sport. Right. And so 
Like, I think that there maybe has been a market correction coming here because of the value of a great coach in that sport specifically. And, um, you know, I think it started to some degree with Matt Rule in that, like, he, I think, broke the bank for a guy with his first NFL coaching contract where you had guys in eight figures. And now there are about, I think there are nine NFL coaches that are on eight figures per year, but you didn't have a first time guy coming in and getting 9 million a year, the way Matt rule did. And you didn't have anybody doing seven year contracts, but Matt rule could command that because that's what Baylor was offering him to stay, you know? So, um, you know, I think that that's sort of going to be the way the leverage game works in coaching now where, you know, these big college programs, especially ones that are going to get desperate here, like your Oklahoma, like your LSU, that are afraid of sort of the music stopping and them not having a guy. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, the successful pro coaches, all they have to do is just be vague with their answers for a week, right? Like like somebody has them at a press conference, just be vague for a week. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, give them the old Kyle Shanahan like answer. I don't know if we're all going to be alive on Sunday. You know, and and just make your your place a little nervous and maybe you cash in. Well, Mike Tomlin wasn't trying to cash in when he wasn't vague when that story came. He basically gave a speech, which I had a USC fan who said, now we really want him even more with giving a speech like that. I said, he gave you a speech (laughs) that he doesn't want to go to USC. He goes, man, I love the fire there. What what kind of openings? You know, it was a week ago, Matt Nagy was being fired reportedly. Okay, still got his job. I expect him to be let go at the end of the year. Vic Fangio is kind of winning his way into a, it feels like a tougher decision in Denver. I don't know if Joe Judge is, you know, these next four or five games are going to impact his future there. Don't know if you see any other Mm -hmm. openings or potential openings. I mean, there's been so much turnover. You know, I, I feel like this is like an annual thing, Dan, where we get to this p- time of year. And unless there are the obvious ones, and like last year was different because last year we really had like three stays of execution, right? Like Detroit, Atlanta, Jacksonville, those guys all survived after 2019. And they were on a very, very short leash going into 2020. And, you know, obviously all of those come open, but there's been so much turnover over the years that sometimes it's hard to pinpoint you know, which ones are going to be open this early because you're firing guys who've only been in their places for a year or two, you know? Um, But I think the ones that most of the people in the industry are paying attention to, um, you know, obviously, you know, Chicago's one and, you know, the fate of a young quarterback is sort of in the balance there. So that's a big one. Minnesota's another one where, you know, two years ago, that was sort of up in the air. And, you know, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it'll be the first time for Mike Zimmer missing two years in a row. So I think that that's one to keep an eye on as well. Um, you know, obviously some of them have kind of gone the other way. Like Miami is a good example. Yeah. People were talking about Miami. Well, now, you know, Brian Flores and Chris Greer and the guys down there have won four in a row and they play the Jets and the Giants the next two weeks and two is playing well. So it looks like he's safe. You know, Joe Judge, what does it look like? over the last half of the season, I can tell you this, like the Maras love Jason Garrett. So the fact that he, that they were willing to pull the plug on Jason Garrett in the middle of the season, you know, got everyone's attention in that building and it should, you know, I think everybody was put on notice by that. So you have a few that are sort of, I think, percolating right now. Um, You know, the other thing is, I think, you know, there's, there's to some degree, I think this has happened in college too, where this is sort of forced these big swings, like USC taking a huge swing at Lincoln Riley there aren't the obvious candidates that were last year. Like last year you had Robert Sala and Arthur Smith, who everyone interviewed. Do you have that obvious like young candidate coming up? 
I think this is going to be a year where maybe you see more of the retreads. You see guys like Josh McDaniels or Raheem Morris or Todd Bowles, um, you know, those sorts of guys getting second shots because there just isn't the pool of young candidates than there ha- that there has been in the past. We're talking Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter and lead content strategist for the Monday morning quarterback. I'm curious about this situation, how it plays out in Seattle. And I don't have any inside information on it, but I have a pretty good gut feeling with Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson. If you're not going to make the playoffs and the franchise has to decide, okay, what is our future? What direction are we pointed in? Um, Do you want to keep Pete Carroll? Does Pete want to stay? He's going to be 70 years of age. Russ has two more years left. Um, Could Russell Wilson pull a Matthew Stafford? Could he say, hey, let's, let's just, you guys get something for me, but let me move on. Could you see a scenario where Russ not forces his way out, but mm-hmm. maybe Stafford's his way out? Yeah, like he's less passive aggressive than he was about it last year. I think is what <laughs> yeah. you're saying, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, my understanding is like, so his mindset last year, um, having talked to some people around him was, he wanted to view last year as like the launch, you know, the last offseason as the launch of the second half of his career. And so it wasn't just I'm going to assess my team. It's I'm going to assess the way I train. I'm going to assess how I work with my teammates in the offseason. I'm going to assess all of this because he was, I think, consumed with the idea, like, what's my legacy going to be? And am I going to be remembered like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady? And to do that, do I have to win championships? And so, I mean, I'm just here to tell you this, Dan, like if that was his mindset last year and he's really worried about like what his legacy is going to look like. And he views this as the start of the second half of his career. And he wants to have what Tom Brady had, you know, at the end of new England and now in Tampa or what Peyton Manning got in Denver after he got hurt and came back from the injury. Does he think he can get that in Seattle? Because if he doesn't at the end of this year, and it's not looking great right now, and tonight might be another one of those national TV referendums on it, like I don't know where he'd be in more of a spot in January of 2022 than he was in January of 2021 to want to stay there. And so I think your scenario is an interesting one because the way Stafford did it was very – I would say it was very, it was just very conciliatory, you know, where it was, I'm going to go in and I don't want to ruffle feathers and I don't want to ruin my legacy in this city. And I still love this franchise. And I want you to be able to bring me back here and put me up in the ring of honor, but I want to move on and work with me. And so like, just knowing how image conscious Russ is, I don't think it's that hard to see a scenario, especially if they miss the playoffs, especially if there's questions about Pete's future, especially if the roster doesn't look better in eight weeks than it does now, like going forward where, you know, I could see Russell definitely going in and having that conversation because I do think that there's a lot of people outside of Russell's camp working in that building that have thought for a while that he's on his last contract with Seattle to begin with. Yeah, I believe that. I don't think that he plays there next year, but I just wonder, and you're, you're so dead on with Russ and being image conscious. He's as image conscious as anybody. And you don't want to be that guy who says, I want to force my way out. You want to be the guy who says, look, you don't have, you know, first round draft picks, you know, I, I want to move on. I, I want to try to win another championship and you guys might not need to rebuild. But I want I just wonder how much longer Russ and Pete Carroll can coexist with their philosophies when it when it comes yeah. to offense. And and if and I agree with that, 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 that's an important point, Dan, too, because I think sometimes we overlook this like 
these guys, and this isn't like, I'm not like just saying Russell, because I don't want to make him sound self. Brady cares about this stuff too. Those guys really care about their personal performance, right? And it's like, like you can't like ask a guy like this to shut down the competitive nature at like the team performance and like, it's okay, individual performance doesn't matter as much because it does. Like how they play matters to them almost as much as winning does. And that's another, I think you hit an important, important point there, which is like, does he feel like he's in the best position to become a Hall of Famer, right? Like, does he feel like he's in the best position to really be remembered a certain way and play the sort of game that maybe he thinks he's capable of? If he doesn't think that that's going to happen in Seattle because Pete runs the place a certain way and it's going to be run a certain way as long as Pete's there, I, you know, that's certainly a part of it too. And I wonder if it's a big market like the Giants. Let's say they have two first-round picks. Is that something? And, and I, I don't mean to do sports radio where you call in with trade scenarios, but I'm just looking at this because I do think it's going to be real. I do think this is going to happen. Uh, but I don't know if Russ goes, my wife wants to be in a bigger market or yeah. I want to be in a bigger market. If you want to win, you're not going to go to the Giants. So where, you know, could you go to the Saints? You, you know, I mean, there's, there's a couple of teams that have that missing ingredient, which could be Russell Wilson. I mean, like I've heard platforms really important to him, you know, and, and, and I, th- I believe Dallas was on his list, yeah. which I mean, <laughs> like they've got Dak, you know what I mean? Like, and I heard Chicago, this is wild. I mean, I, but, but there was, there was like a rumor floating around last year that he liked the idea of Chicago because that's Obama's team, right? Like, and that like there was platform potentially post-career there. And so like, I, I think he's very conscious of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And obviously New York would be a stage, you know, like New York, like going and, and being the Giants quarterback and maybe being the guy to help resurrect that team. And there are pieces there. Now they need to fix a bunch of stuff too, but there are pieces there like your Kenny Galladay's, Kadarius Tony's, um, Evan Ingram's when he's healthy, Saquon Barkley, where you could look at it and say, if you drop a veteran quarterback in there, maybe that veteran quarterback can ignite that team the way, again, like a Peyton Manning ignited that Broncos team with Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker 10 years ago. I, you know, if I was at that Ravens-Browns game, I would ask for my money back. That's one of the worst primetime games <laughs> I've I've ever seen. But I, I don't I, think you'd be very successful. No, I would not be. Um, I, I don't know what to make of the Ravens. As much as I look at Lamar and I'm fascinated, mm-hmm. and it, but it feels like he's a one-off in the playoffs where you go, man, he's really hard to defend. Yeah, I don't know if they're closer to being a Super Bowl contender than they were last year. And we know Cleveland was on a lot of the short list of playing in the AFC title game here. Yeah. So they're both kind of interesting. The Ravens feel lucky. They, they yeah. sort of, they've survived here, which I guess that's what you want, but what do you, are the Ravens a Super Bowl contender? I think these two teams are like a very different spots. I think for the Ravens, um, this is about injuries and I, I give John Harbaugh all the credit in the world. I mean, I think he's done a dynamite job and if they wind up with the one, number one or number two seed, I think he deserves coach of the year consideration. The amount of things that they've lost, like running backs are more important to them than most other teams because of the way they run their offense, they lost their top two running backs, JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They lost their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley. That's a sort of injury that can be crippling for teams. You know, they lose Marcus Peters, their number two corner. You know, you just, you look at the injuries they've had across the board and then the kind of 
ticky tack stuff that's taking guys out, right? Like where their receiver room was like basically a mash unit for two months. And, you know, Lamar goes down and he's out for a game. I just like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you want to believe they're going to be able to keep this going, but so much of it feels like smoke and mirrors. And it's a great credit to everyone in that building that they've made it work. And so I think with the Ravens, it's more, can we continue to scotch tape the thing together on a week to week basis? Because we are really, really limping here. Whereas with the Browns, I think it's more, I would just say, I think some of the magic they had in that locker room last year where they were a gritty, tough, like, like there were so many things about that team last year that was sort of like, all right, like Kevin Stefanski has the culture turn there. I think with some of the moves they made in the offseason, they lost a little bit of that. Yeah. And so I think that they are maybe a little less resilient than they were last year. And obviously, since it's Cleveland, when things go even a little bit wrong, because of the history of that franchise, the way that team's covered, like they have a way of getting magnified. Great to talk to you as always, Albert. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Dan. That's Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist for the Monday Morning Quarterback. A couple of phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. Jeff in Detroit. Hey, Jeff, best and worst. La da 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 da. Hey there, Dan. <laughs> How's everything going? My brother, do you know I have never been able to say these words on your show? Michigan defeats Ohio State. And shout out to Reese Davis, who said that Jim Harbaugh would be looking for somebody to hit their inner Tim Biakabatuka. Did Hassan Haskins ever do that? I also have to give a shout out to the Michigan State Police because in an effort to keep everybody safe and going home after the game, they put out a tweet that stated, be careful, and if you're driving to the state south of us, no need to rush. Your season is over. <laughs> Jim, the, the only thing that scares me now, though, Dan, is that they're going to come after Jim Harbaugh because think about it. He just got finished reworking his contract to accept like like $4 million or something like that. And his NFL record was 44-19-1. I mean, that's, what, five five losses a season? They're going to be eyeing that guy now. I don't think a, 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 a coach has experienced a better win that was not linked to championship or playoff implications. Well, I mean, playoff implications in this case. But, yeah, man, it's – it's just wonderful here, man. It's just wonderful. Well, congratulations, Jeff. Thank you for the phone call. Yes, yeah, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I totally jump to the NFL next year. It's not getting any better than this week. There's nothing you can do that's going to be better than this week. I take this win. I ride out, uh, you know, humbly, of course, humbly. Um, but, yeah, and then I jump to the NFL right now. Wow. Yeah, but Michigan has stayed with him. Michigan stayed with him. Didn't he just sign a contract extension, too? Yeah, uh-huh. but it's, it's not like a crazy amount of money. I don't know. I just, it's not getting any better than this week. Yeah. And it took no, six no. years to get here. You got to win this weekend. Got to win this weekend. You, you can't beat Ohio State and then lose to Iowa in the Big Ten title game. Can't. Well, you can. You, you, you can. can, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You shouldn't. Yeah, Paul. This is exactly what Iowa and Purdue do. They spoil other people's seasons. Yeah. Well, they do a good job of spoiling their own. Oh, yes. They, but, they self-spoil. All right. We'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm 40% off t-shirts, special discounts off most other items on the site. Plus check out the holiday bundle. This winter we collaborated with uh, Sportique and released a limited edition holiday bundle. We got a zip up hoodie, autograph calendar in there, a custom holiday box, less than 100 available at danpatrick.com. Saw this from uh, Jeff Duncan, Times Picayune columnist. The Saints epitomized this crazy 2021 season so far. Beat the Packers, beat the Buccaneers, beat the Patriots. Lost to the Giants, Panthers, Eagles, and Falcons. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? what? Stat of the day. Uh, Lincoln Riley and the family landed in L.A. about a half hour ago. He had his USC golf shirt on, USC colored Nikes, no winter coat, just getting off the plane and ready to go. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. A little bit of an issue here because Lincoln Riley has two dogs. One is named Boomer and one is named Sooner. Okay. Now... Do you change the dogs' names? And I was thinking Tro and Jan. Now, I don't know if it's a boy and a girl, but if I could get Tro, Jen. Um, Todd had a good idea. If the dog was a collie, then you have the uh, collie Seam. Yes, I like that one. I don't know if there's any other names. Seton suggested fight and on. But now that you're a USC head coach, you're going to be reminded of, come here sooner! Yes, Paul. How about Pro and Bation? Nah, that's, no, that's 15 no. years ago. That's a long time ago. My bad. It's 04. How about Bush and Leinert? There you go. Yeah. Or Bush and Push. Huh? Mean. Yes, Paul. You guys have dogs for a lot longer than I have. Do dogs, once you give them a name, you can't change it like three years later because they know their names, right? Yeah. yeah. You can't. You can change your names? Yeah. Well, yeah. you can, but there's just no real reason to. I guess what I'm saying is like, if a dog has been trained with his name of a boomer for four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, Todd. But Riley's had a lot of success at Oklahoma, and uh, why would you change the name? Why would you even consider I know we're having fun with it, but, you know, it's not like they pushed him out or he's leaving on horrible terms. That's, oh, you know, I, I would think Oklahoma would view this as he's leaving on horrible terms. Well, there, but it's not like they, they gave him some kind of ultimatum. <laughs> he's not arriving on horrible terms, which is good. No, no, no. He's leaving on horrible terms. <laughs> yes, Paulie. I saw the family get off the plane. I didn't see the dogs get off the plane. Ooh. Maybe in the deal, Ooh. the dogs stayed in Norman. Oh, that is a huge problem. Mm. That is a huge problem. If he got rid of his dogs because of this, that is a huge problem. It's not. He didn't. He's not going to get rid of his dogs. We don't know that. We don't. We don't. Yes. yes what if they change their names and things don't go well in L.A.? There's no guarantee all of a sudden USC is coming back to prominence and they're playing for national titles and all that. could be a disaster for all we know in the next couple of years. And then you change their names. The dogs are all confused. Todd, Todd we're, 
Am I too far into it? Yes, yes, you do this. I do. Like, we're just joking. Take a breath. I got really excited about I, the prospect. I know, I, know, I know, but you take it seriously. We're just joking. It's not going to leave the dogs in Norman or he's, you know. Not we should keep change. their names, the dogs. Yeah, As yeah. a human, I don't know if like, you know, today you're Brian. You know, in a couple of years, you'll be Fred. I don't know. That. We call you a lot of names. I sure do. <laughs> And you know what? You answered all of them. I do. Especially if you have like those little cocktail franks waiting for me. Uh, let's see. Todd always says don't answer the phones, but we do. You know, I want I want to talk to Give people. Give it a shot. Who knows what you're going to get? I know. I've, let's do our best and worst of the weekend. Todd, I'm going to start with you. Best and worst of the weekend. You got your Broncos Christmas sweater on today. I do. Is that your best? My best should be that, but I went with Michigan senior running back Hassan Haskins rushing for 169 yards, five TDs in the big house. Wolverines beat the Buckeyes 42-27 Saturday. Worst of the weekend after Michigan beats Ohio State. A chance for some more college football playoff ranking chaos, but Auburn goes from shutting out Alabama through three and a half quarters to a four overtime loss. Thank you, Todd. Uh, McLovin? I actually have three bests. The first two are A.J. Dillon's thighs, which are nicknamed Quadzilla and the Quadfather. But, uh, but are his quads bigger than Saquon Barkley? Ooh, that is the question. Wow. Uh, but he... He makes the Packers a new team, right? A I mean, this is father. I like that. He's incredible. And the other best was the big national game. Everybody, the whole country, gather around to watch Andrew J. Dalton lead the Chicago Bears past the Detroit Lions. And I noticed we haven't mentioned that game once, so now, I want to get that it out was there. Thursday, and nobody cares. But that could have been eight minutes ago in no the in the field cares. house, and no one would have cared. <laughs> they could be playing right out back, and no one would care. I'd say if we were covering that story extensively, we would be doing this very wrong. <laughs> yeah. Bears, Lions. 16-14. Yeah. <laughs> of course the score was 16-14. Yeah. Uh, Seton? Uh, my best of the weekend, Jalen Waddle having a breakout game. Good for him. Seven catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown in the first half. He finished with uh, nine catches and 137 He's yards. He's quietly been great this year. Mm-hmm. He really has. Uh, what else? My worst of the week, and I'm going all Jalen's actually in my best and worst. Jalen Rager. Jalen Hurts put the ball in his hand in the end zone two times in four plays, and he dropped both of them. Dude, catch the ball. And, and the worst part, too, is that it's going to stick with Jalen Hurts. No one's going to remember. They're just going to look at his record and be like, see, this guy stinks. He can't win. The, I don't know. Pauly, best and worst. Auburn football up uh, 10-3 on Alabama. A minute 47 to go, second down. They're running back Tank Bigsby trying for a first round. He does not stay in bounds. Alabama does not have to use a timeout to get the ball back all the way. They are a running back taking a knee or falling down away from winning that game. That's my worst of the weekend. Did you have the best? I guess the best is Jordan Battle, the defensive back for Alabama, who helped pull Bigsby out to get him out of bounds. Okay. Uh, Georgia's opponents this week have scored 3, 7, 13, 0, 0, 10, 13, 7, 6, 17, 7, 0. They head to their showdown with Alabama. All right. Coming up next, we'll hear the Oklahoma side of Lincoln Riley leaving. Not pretty. And who will be the successor there at Oklahoma? Also, Carson Palmer, former USC quarterback. Now we're going to get opposite ends of the rainbow coming up final hour. 
One more item. We close out hour two. We've had a lot of change in our lives this past year or so. And for some of you, that means maybe you've changed jobs. Maybe you're considering retirement. If that's the case, listen up. You probably have a lot of questions on your mind. How about how do you handle your retirement accounts? Do you have enough money to retire? Is your portfolio invested appropriately? Retirement's a big step. And when it comes to investing for retirement, most people can't afford to make mistakes. Stiefel, S-T-I-F-E-L. Stiefel's been helping clients like you manage investments for over 130 years. Your Stiefel Financial Advisor can help you create a personalized retirement plan. Then you understand your options for claiming Social Security and implement an investment portfolio designed around your needs. Plus, Stiefel clients will have access to Stiefel's award-winning equity research and investment strategy views so you make more informed decisions regarding your portfolio. Find your Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. 